This is episode 200 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are, Keep Your Family Safe with a Fire Response Plan, and Prepper Med, Antibiotics and Vitamins, Both Good But Not Always Together. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, welcome to episode 200. I'm so glad that you are here with us. I can't believe, like I said uh, on yesterday's podcast, can't believe that we're already at episode 200. It just seems like yesterday we were getting getting started and getting kicked off. But uh, hey, I appreciate all of you that have been hanging with me, especially those of you from the very beginning. But uh, I'd like to welcome all the new listeners. And uh, I know that there's a lot of you out there. I'm hearing from you. And I just uh, appreciate you being a part of the podcast. And hopefully you find some information that is really, really relevant for you, uh, you know, as we as we move along uh, on our podcast journey together. I wanted to point out uh, there is a, a volcano going off in Bali. Uh, see, I know I'm probably going to pronounce it ra- wrong, but it's uh, Mount Agung, I guess. Um, it, according to the Daily Mail, it, it blasted off in 1963, killed 1,600 people. And so right now, I, I'm seeing estimates anywhere from like 60,000 to 150,000 people are, are stranded. Um, and uh, they're wanting to evacuate, or actually they're wanting to evacuate um, somewhere like 100,000 people because they, they fear that the lava that's going to be coming out of this volcano is going to, um, you know, wind up uh, touching like 22 different communities. And so you have that aspect of it and uh, that lava just coming and destroying uh, communities and, and people's homes and all that kind of stuff. But then you also have the, the volcanic ash that's going off and uh, airplanes are having to go around it. Uh, and uh, airplanes are not able to come in and land and to take people who are who, uh, tourists out of there and other people, not, they're not able to evacuate them. And so, uh, you know, that's a little concern there. So it kind of got me to thinking, what kind of natural disasters are probable in your area? I put that up on the Facebook group. Uh, you know, are you know in your area, is it hurricanes? Is it tornadoes? Is it earthquakes? Is it floods, tsunamis? What are the major natural disasters? Do you know those? Uh, if you don't know those, if you're not familiar with those, then you, you really should be. Um, and, uh, you know, just having an idea of if for whatever reason those natural disasters decide to go ahead and kick off. And they are, you know, those, uh, the bad ones. Not like, hey, we had a, uh, you know, uh, a little flood or something like that. But, um, you know, something something major, do you know what you would do? And so that's why we prep, and that's why we uh, we do what we do, uh, because there's always natural disasters at, at any time, and you want to make sure that you're ready for it. Hey, speaking of, like, current events and things that are going on, I recently um, went ahead and released the weekly Watchmen and current events uh, for this week. Uh, I normally do it on Tuesday, but I had some other articles that I want to release, so I went ahead and did it on uh, on today, so on Monday night, uh, for those of you who aren't aren't familiar with it, I record the day's podcast uh, the night before. So this is the Tuesday podcast. I'm 
I'm actually recording it on Monday night. And so I went ahead and released that. And that is uh, just a, a whole bunch of different videos uh, that I watch of prophecy experts that are uh, prophecy Bible teachers who are uh, looking at current events and uh, you know they do a good job of even if you don't look you know look at the Bible prophecy aspect of it just the fact that you're getting a lot of current events that you're not normally going to see in your uh, you know at, in, on even on Fox News or you know definitely on CNN things like that you're not going to see those regular news reports. Uh, like, like, or you're not going to see these things on those regular news reports, and definitely a lot about the Middle East and all the other things that are going on. And uh, but if you are someone who is interested in Bible prophecy and you're interested in hey, what's going on over there in the Middle East? Because what happens over there does, I mean, you know, the Bible for those of us who are believers that are listening. The Bible is Israel-centric. It is not America-centric. It is not the West-centric. It is Israel-centric. And so God focuses over there, and so all these things are going on. And I really think John Haller's video, if you only want watch one of them, I think you need to go watch John Haller's. It's the first one. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. And so you can go ahead, if, uh, if you get the show notes in your podcast catcher, you'll have it. Or you can just simply come over to the Prepper Website podcast dot com episode 200 and uh, link straight to that or go straight to edthatmatters.com a lot of ways for you to get to it all right so uh, our first article of the podcast comes to us from the prepperjournal.com and the title is keep your family safe with a fire response plan now some of you might when i'm reading this uh, might start rolling your eyes right like come on really taught a fire response plan but here's the deal how many of you who, especially those of you who have kids or you have grandkids who visit on a regular basis, how many of you actually have a fire response plan? How many of you actually do these things that are that are being discussed in here? And a lot of the times we just, you know, hey, okay, we have that information, but we don't really apply it. And there's some really great information here, maybe some things and tips and tricks that you haven't heard before that you need to uh, you need to go ahead and apply. Um, you know, I, I still remember there was this guy we used to do, uh, we had kind of like a, a worship team thing going uh, where just a bunch of people from different churches uh, and, we, you know, for different for different um, uh, purposes, uh, I I was with them to, because we did this youth outreach thing that we did, uh, but he was a guy who he led worship at his church, played guitar, he was very well liked and they had a fire in the house and he got everybody out and everybody was safe and then they realized that the dog wasn't uh no one had the dog and he went back in to get the dog and he died i mean he just he uh he just died of uh you know not being able to breathe he just you know inhaled all that smoke and uh you know and this guy was fit he this guy was strong uh you know like i said he was a good guy and he went back in after the dog and and he died and some of us were like come on it's just a dog but really how many of you uh, you have a family pet. You would go back in there, you know. And so maybe that's part of your 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 uh, your your family response or your fire response plan is that you know someone is responsible for the for the pet or someone is grabbing the pet as as you're you know leaving as you're letting everyone know that there's a fire and you got to get out. So let's go ahead and read this one uh, again. Like I said, prepper theprepperjournal.com. And uh, the title is, Keep Your Family Safe with a Fire Response Plan. 
Between 2011 and 2015, U.S. fire departments responded to almost 360,000 house fires yearly. Those fires resulted in injuries, deaths, and damages. The National Fire Protection Association, NFPA, estimates death estimates deaths numbered around 2,500 and damages totaled nearly 7 billion. Such statistics seem daunting, but don't be afraid. You can achieve some peace of mind by planning to defend your home against fire should it happen. It is what preppers do. Your plan should be comprised of three elements, preparation and prevention, reaction during a fire, and response after a fire. How to prepare for and prevent a house fire. Preparation and prevention sounds like what it is. Use the following seven steps to secure your home and protect your family to minimize or thwart the threat of fire. 1. Create an emergency communication document. During a fire, everything turns chaotic and you may lose track of family members. Ensure everyone knows whom to contact by creating a list of emergency response and family members' numbers. Have a designated safety place. No, not a safe, a safe space where everyone meets after they evacuate. It can be the mailbox as long as it isn't attached to the structure or the end of the driveway or any place close but away from the house. Number two, inspect your home. Walk around your home and look for frayed wires and out-of-date sockets. Electrical fires aren't as common as cooking fires, but they leave just as much devastation in their wake. Prevent their occurrence by replacing faulty wiring, purchasing surge protectors, and plugging appliances into a separate electrical outlet so you don't overload a breaker. Hey, let me just uh, stop really quick right here while I'm reading th this specific one. Uh, just things that I've seen on Facebook. You, you know, it's that time of year when people are putting up Christmas lights and Christmas trees. And uh, you might be overloading uh, strips, electrical strips and things like that. And uh, just be very, very careful uh, about how much of a load you put on those electrical strips. And, and if you have one of those little, uh, you know, those little heaters, those portable heaters, uh, they crank out a lot or they need a lot of amperage and, and, and watts. And so uh, you need to make sure that the, your, you know, your strip that you're using or your surge protector uh, can handle it. A lot of the times you should just probably go straight into the, uh, to the socket and not use one of those. Uh, because you just want to make sure that you you don't burn up your your uh, your strip and then cause some more problems. So uh, definitely be safe when it comes to uh, you know Christmas and putting up lights and stuff like that, uh, and of course keeping warm. Number three is invest in smoke alarms. When it comes to fire prevention, you should buy and install devices designed to aid your home safely safety endeavors. One of these is the smoke alarm, which the NFPA recommends installing in every bedroom, outside every sleeping area, and on every level of the home. And uh, because I know that they don't mention, hit, mention it in this article, and it's not necessarily uh, deals with fire, but I would also recommend a carbon monoxide detector. They're not very expensive, uh, you know, maybe 40, 50 bucks, and uh, definitely worth it. If you have gas in your home, like for instance, I have a gas stove. And, um, you know, the knobs, if you're not careful, uh, those knobs can turn very easily. So there's been times where, uh, you know, my sniffer kind of works, uh, uh, you know, works really well. And so uh, if I come into the room and I smell something, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on? I smell that smell or, or whatever. So there's been times where I have smelt the gas on just, and it just barely, I mean, just someone just kind of walked by there and touched it. 
and um, and and you know that's easy to happen but uh, you just want to be be careful with that so if you have a gas stove uh, you know and you have any other appliances that are gas uh, it, it might be a great idea to have uh, a carbon monoxide detector definitely well worth the, the 40 50 bucks every so often to uh, to purchase one of those all right number four is purchase other home safety devices besides smoke alarms consider other home safety products such as fire extinguishers and fire sprinkler systems the latter requires the assistance of a professional technician but it can save your home and people's lives in the event of a fire perform routine maintenance Home safety equipment only works when it's well maintained, so create a checklist for smoke alarms and fire extinguishers. Smoke alarms should be tested every month and their batteries changed every year. Fire extinguishers should also be examined every month to make sure they contain enough pressure to put out a fire. Number six, teach your family the escape routes. The American Red Cross advises that you teach your family two ways of escape, along with a set of meeting points outside the home. Once set, you should review the route, the, the routes at least once a year. And number, number seven, review basic safety measures. In addition to developing escape routes, practice safety measures. These range from stop, drop, and roll to best practices for getting out of a burning building, for example. Crawling along the floor when smoke fills the hallway and not touching a doorknob with a bare hand. So a lot of good advice right there. Now, what to do in the event of a fire? Using the seven steps outlined above prevents and prepares you for a house fire, but when one occurs, take immediate action with the seven steps shared below. Number one, use a fire extinguisher. If the fire is small and you know how to use a fire extinguisher, put your skills to use. Extinguishing the fire reduces structural damages and the risk of injuries or death. And uh, I've never, I mean, I've always dealt with fire extinguishers on campus when I was an administrator. Uh, at the elementary school we had a fire marshal visit every single year and then when my wife and I ran a group home for kids we ran a group home for kids in CPS custody for about 11 and a half years and uh, we always you know we had the same uh, you know uh, licensing things that that we had to subscribe to so the fire marshal always came out every year and we had fire extinguishers uh, throughout the house at least two two or three of them throughout the house that uh, would always get checked and, and those kinds of things but I've never I don't have one currently and I've never purchased one I have no idea how much they cost uh, to uh, to first purchase or to to refill and to test so uh, that might be something we need to look into because uh, I can see how that would be very much worth it right to have a fire extinguisher that could extinguish a fire very very quickly and um, minimize the damage that it would cause uh, if you know if you were in a uh, in that kind of a situation and then understanding as well that there's different types of fire extinguishers there are some for you know uh, that can handle everything there are some just for you know electrical fires or whatever and I don't know all the breakdowns of them but um, you know that's one thing that you want to be aware of if you do go buy a fire extinguisher or if you do have one around you want to make sure that it is uh, the type that you can use for your uh, for your home and then I believe no, I thought there was a graphic on here that showed that, um, and maybe that's something uh, in the future we need to, to bring out and try to find uh, a graphic that has the different types of fire extinguishers there. All right, number two is escape the home. If you don't know how to use a fire extinguisher or have no way of getting to it, escape from your home immediately. 
you always have less than you think to get out of a burning structure safely. And that's in red and bold. And I want to say that again, just because, uh, you know, that one reason I, I, I talked about right when I got started, you always have less time than you think to get out of a burning structure safely. Number three, let other people know about the fire. You may have heard the smoke alarm go off, but other family members might not have. Because of that, yell fire as you leave the home so your loved ones know to take action. Number four, protect your hands and lungs. If a closed door or its doorknob feels warm to the touch, leave it closed. And if smoke fills the home, duck low and scramble your way to safety. If you become trapped in your home, go to a clear room and close the door behind you to reduce the risk of smoke inhalation. Number five, stay out of the home. Once you escape your home, don't re-enter it. Going back inside only puts yourself and others in danger. Number six, call for help. When you get outside your home, call 911. The fire department owns, owns the necessary gear and training to enter your home and rescue people or pets that may be stuck inside. And number seven, know your backup plan. Smoke, fire, or debris can sometimes block your exit routes. When that occurs, stay in the room, close the door, and call 911. Then open a window and signal for aid with a brightly colored cloth or flashlight. One thing that I would add here to this one, uh, and I guess this last one kind of talked a little bit about that, uh, about opening a window, but you want to make sure um, when you're talking about maybe even the prevention or part of your plan is to look at your window situation. So if your windows, like if you've got burglar bars on your windows, uh, I don't know how many people have those anymore, but uh, let's just say you do have those. Do you have a way to open those? Like for instance, my grandmother, when they had burglar bars on, uh, they had uh, their, you know, on their windows, they had a swinging door uh, burglar bar with a lock on there that they could unlock and then push that burglar bar out and they could get out. And so do you have that, uh, you know, that capability uh, or do you have a way to, um, are they easy enough to, to push out or whatever that might be? Or do you have those, um, those safety locks on your windows that uh, make it very hard, like if someone wanted to try to uh, break into your house, but uh, uh, do, they, do they make them very, does it make it very hard for you to open your windows or let's say your kids to open the windows to get out? And then is there a solution for those who are up on uh, like a second floor to be able to get down? Uh, you know, if it's not a very high jump, you know, just jumping down would be fine. But if it's something higher than that, is there, do they have a solution? Is there a rope? Is there, you know, some kind of ladder or, or uh, you know, rope ladder or something along those lines? Um, that might be something that you might want to, uh, to think about if, if, if those things apply in your situation. All right, so lastly... How to respond after a fire. No one wants to experience a house fire, but knowing how to respond to one after the fact makes a difference. A well thought out response plan can alleviate some of the stress, worry, and fear. Employ the seven steps listed here to mend physically and emotionally from a fire. Number one, seek medical attention. If anyone's hurt, burned, or coughing, get medical aid to prevent infection or additional injury. Two, call friends and family. Always let your loved ones know you're safe. It'll not only alleviate their fears, but also give them a chance to help you recover. Number three, enter your home when it's declared safe. You should return to your home only after the local fire authority signs off on it. 
Number four, assess how people are doing. Everyone responds to trauma differently, so try to stay in tune to how people are feeling. If needed, seek the assistance of a licensed counselor to start healing from the emotional toll. Number five, inspect your home. Once you can re-enter your home, check it for structural damage. Also examine your telephone, electrical, plumbing, heating, and cooling systems. Go through household items, gather chemicals, medicines, and foods that were exposed to heat, smoke, or soot, and dispose of, them, dispose of these items properly. Number six, call your insurance agent. The insurance agent will walk through your home and inventory damaged items, so don't throw away anything until they arrive. The agent may also want to see photos and receipts related to items lost in the fire. Number seven, clean your home. Some repairs and cleaning you can do for yourself. However, wet drywall and insulation requires professional assistance. To figure out where you should DIY or call in the pros, use the American Red Cross Guide for cleaning up after a fire. Um, the only other thing that I would uh, say here as well is uh, depending on how much damage you have. Let's say it's a, it's a room and the fire department was able to take it out. And so you really have everything like your front door, your back door, everything else is intact and you can lock it up and you need to leave or whatever um, you know great if it's a if it's a fire that did a lot more damage and like your front door is gone or your back door is gone or a side of the house is gone um, you know do you have a plan for watching to make sure that looters don't come in or people don't start coming in and and just going through your house when you're not there you know more than likely there's still a lot of valuables in there and you just don't want people rummaging through it so that is something to consider uh, depending on how much damage you have. All right, so let me finish this out with uh, one last paragraph. The thought of a house fire is frightening, but you can take proactive steps to manage the fear. By following the tips outlined here, you'll decrease your risk of house fire as well as increase your chances of escaping and recovering from one. So, all right, good article there. And like I said, uh, very easy to roll your eyes on this one and say, come on, really? But uh, there's uh, a lot of good stuff here, uh, things to remember, and hopefully I threw in a couple of extra little tidbits that might help out as well. Uh, you know, things to, to remember that even, you know, I don't remember all the time. It's like, you know, I, I got to, as I'm reading these, as I'm going through these, things start popping into my head. It's like, hey, uh, here you go. Think about this or talk about this or, you know, uh, have you thought about this for your own home, Todd? You know, and so hopefully uh, it's, uh, you know, this will be helpful for you. Uh, there is one comment, but there are links throughout this article that you'll want to come check out over at theprepperjournal.com. Uh, go check that one out. All right, this next article comes to us from Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You. And uh, this, uh, Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You.com. Uh, this is actually um, a very cool article because it's based off of uh, one of my episodes uh, where um, Spice and Salty, uh, the comment, or they actually wrote an article on some comments that I made and uh, actually backed it up with some research and things like that. And so uh, back on episode 190, I talked. Uh, I was reading one of their articles and talked a little bit about um, my experience with antibiotics and vitamins. And so while they were listening to the podcast, they were talking about that, and they came up with this uh, with more information out there. And so I think this is uh, it's always uh, great to know this information. So. Uh, I, I think you need to hear this because not a lot of people know this. And like, like I said, back on episode 190, 
Um, there's multiple people that I have talked to over the years who were dealing with there was one you know one that was um, on my campus who uh, poor girl she was suffering and uh, she told the thing that really set it off for me was she told me she was on her second round of antibiotics and that's when I asked her hey are you taking any vitamins oh well, yes I'm taking boom 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 and I'm like stop taking the vitamins stop stop taking them and she finally she broke down and she called her pharmacist and he told her the same thing and so I just I, I guess that's one thing why I'm always kind of bringing it up because I don't think a lot of people know this so uh, the the name of the article is prepper med antibiotics and vitamins both good but not always together so let's go ahead and read this. Um, the first part of it is uh, Salty's uh, going back and, and talking about how they got to this point in, uh, to write this article. A couple of days ago, we listened to Todd Sepulveda's Prepper Website Podcast, episode 190, which featured Spice's article, Situations Change, Sometimes the SHTF, Life Changes, Medications Change, But How? A Prepping Example. We always enjoy listening to the podcast and find it especially interesting to hear his comments when he includes one of our stories. During episode 190, which talks about antibiotics, Todd paused during the reading of our article to share the following from his own experience, quoted from the podcast and used here with Todd's permission. Note, Salty Spice and Todd are not physicians, and this article is, content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, appreciate them putting that in there. All right, so Todd said that in the past he had an abscess in a tooth. At first he thought it was allergies and sinus congestion, which can cause dental pain, but that the pain intensified, so he went to see a dentist. The dentist looked and said, yep, you have an infection, you have an abscess, we're going to have to pull it. But first, we need to get rid of the infection before we can do any kind of work on you. The dentist did a tooth cleaning and prescribed a strong antibiotic to knock out the infection. I started taking it, he says. It wasn't going away. The pain was still there. After about three or four days, I went to go back to see him. And, and he says, yeah, I'm going to give you another antibiotic. But if this doesn't catch it, uh, if this doesn't take care of it, you might have to go to the hospital. I've never had to deal with that, so I'm like, what the heck, what's going on here? So, uh, important note, if this situation ever happens to you, consult your physician to get his or her advice about how it, 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 it is critically important that you continue taking the original antibiotic through its full course to reduce the chances of developing antibiotic-resistant germs in your system. It is a core principle in the medical community that all antibiotic drug prescriptions should be taken in full, even if you feel better after a few days, so please confirm this with your doctor or pharmacist. Uh, following the session with the dentist, Todd went to the pharmacy to pick up the additional prescription, and while there, he, st he started talking to the pharmacist about his situation. I brought up that I was taking vitamins. He asked me what vitamins I was taking. I think I was taking vitamin C and some other things. And he said, no, you don't want to be taking vitamins when you take antibiotics because vitamins will absorb the antibiotics. I'm like, what? Todd asked. The pharmacist continued, it's like you think you are taking something good for you, vitamins, but it's actually harming you when you are taking antibiotics because it's absorbing the antibiotics and your body's not getting them. So Todd stopped taking the vitamins, started taking the second antibiotic, and the situation cleared up for him quickly. That's something I always remember, he said. The dentist didn't know that at all. He was a good dentist, and he knew 
what he was doing. If he hadn't retired, I'd still be going to him. But he didn't realize that vitamins obstruct antibiotics. He didn't know that, but the pharmacist did. In the original story, Spice mentioned talking to the pharmacist about drug interactions. In the podcast, Todd said when she brought up talking to the pharmacist, I think that's a great idea because they can really talk about the drug interactions. At this point in time, I paused Todd's podcast, looked at Spice and said, okay, now what's up with this? I've never heard that vitamins can affect antibiotics. She nodded back at me and said, yes, they can. I grinned back at her sheepishly and said, why exactly is that? Knowing that I was opening myself up to a 20-minute long-sized gasm explanation. To her credit, her answer was brief and didn't use any science speak. I mentioned that this would be a good topic for a 3BY article, and she agreed. But being the scientist that she is, she needed to check with her credible peer-reviewed scientific data to make sure her explanation was entirely accurate. Part 2 of this series, Prepper Med Antibiotics and Vitamins When They Make a Good Team, is available by clicking here. Spice, take it away. So again, there's a, like I said, there's a couple of different uh, links here, and then there's that one where vitamins and uh, antibiotics do make a good team. And you uh, definitely want to check that one out there. Um, bad vitamins, and I'm also going to link to it because I know that sometimes uh, uh, you're, you're in your podcast uh, catcher in, your, um, in the show notes, uh, you don't always go to the uh, to the websites and trying to make it easy for you. So if you want to go to this one, I'm going to uh, include it in the show notes as well. So uh, you can hit that one up. Um, so uh, Spice taking it away. Bad vitamin interactions can occur in both directions. Uh, let me read that one again. Bad vitamin interactions can occur in both directions. Vitamins indeed do some funky things when taken alongside antibiotics as they can mess up antibiotic activity while antibiotics can interfere with what vitamins are doing for you. Here are examples. Vitamin B12's action is blocked by some antibiotics, including chloramiphenicol. This isn't a problem with the course of antibiotics is two weeks or less. You can do reduced B12 action for that long. If you have to take the antibiotics for an extended period though, anemia tends to develop since B12 is needed to make red blood cells. If the situation extends long enough, there can also be neural impairment as one can't make proper insulation for the nerve cells. It apparently goes the other way too. Taking some B vitamins including B12, B6, and biotin with some antibiotics including all the tetracyclines including doxycycline and teramycin can stop the antibiotic from being absorbed from the gut. So it does you no good. This comes from a reputable source, the University of Maryland Medical Center, but I couldn't trace down the original research or find it mentioned in four other drug interaction guides. Odd. So I'm not positive on this one, but I won't be taking supplements of those B vitamins while on antibiotics. Normal dietary intake of these vitamins is too small to do much blocking. High doses of vitamin C are popular among some, but they may not mix well with chloramphenicol. Man, these medical terms always trip me up. Oh my goodness. The chloramphenicol didn't work as well against the common pneumonia-causing bacterium when the vitamin C was taken as well. Other antibiotics played nicely with vitamin C. More on that in a separate post coming soon to 3BY. Vitamin K suffers in response to many antibiotics. Some of our vitamin K is made by the bacteria that live in our gut. 
in our guts. It's okay, good actually, they belong there. Oral antibiotics kill off a lot of these bacteria, making us more dependent on dietary vitamin K. Since vitamin K is found primarily in leafy greens, Americans often don't eat enough of it at any time, much less when fresh food isn't available. A tendency to bleed too much can result. The good news is that vitamin K is a fat-soluble vitamin, so our bodies store some. A couple of weeks worth, uh, with, uh, I'm sorry, a couple of weeks without it would normally cause a problem. One of the best-known problem, problem combinations involves tetracycline and fluoroquinolone classes of antibiotics. Doxycycline and Cipro are examples of these common in prepping circles. The problems come not from vitamins but minerals which are often included alongside multivitamins and daily supplements like many popular once-a-day tablets. Several minerals including calcium, iron, aluminum, and magnesium tend to bind with these antibiotics in the gut. They combo uh, the combo of mineral and antibiotic then leaves the gut in the feces. You might as well not have even taken the antibiotic or the mineral for that matter. Again, normal diet amounts aren't likely to be a big deal so long as you don't put them both in the gut within a couple of hours of one another. What might help? When an antibiotic is labeled not to be taken with food, it's usually because they suspect something in the food such as calcium from dairy might interfere with the antibiotic. A, a prepper storing antibiotics could look them up ahead of time. Hey, now would be great. And label the bottles so as to they label the bottles as to if they should be taken on an empty or full stomach with whatever additional recommendations are given with prescriptions. Places like drugs.com give instruction on how to take various drugs. When taking any of the antibiotics known to interact badly with vitamins, Vitamin supplements could be stopped for the duration of the antibiotic course. Most people don't need vitamin and mineral supplements anyway. On average, they don't extend lifespan or health measurably as it stands today, though I can see where that might change in the dicier food situation of a crisis. At any rate, most preppers wouldn't be likely to take would be likely to take antibiotics for more than two weeks and could do without vitamin supplements for that long at least, I suspect. Some vitamins actually work and play well with some antibiotics, and those will be covered in a later post. If I weren't taking one of the known good combos, I wouldn't be inclined to keep up a vitamin supplement I was taking just in case while taking an antibiotic. All right, so what I like, you know, what Spice does here, she uh, she references uh, material. So it's not she's not just spouting off from like, hey, this is my knowledge, and here it is. Um, she's actually linking to um, you know to sources uh, and medical journals and uh, peer-reviewed re uh, articles and stuff like that. And so you can go to those at the bottom of the article. So that's really cool about that. Uh, there is one comment, just someone vocal patriot, like, "Hey, uh, no, this is a very interesting topic. Oh, no, now this is a very interesting topic. Good work, folks, and thanks." And um, so you know, again, want to just put that out there because. Um, you know, I know that a lot of preppers do talk about have store, stocking up vitamins for uh, when the poop hits the fan and uh, having those to supplement, you know, their nutrition. Uh, but at the same time, if you're doing that and you're also stocking up on, uh, you know, fish antibiotics and you start taking those, you might, you, you might think that the, the, you know, that the fish antibiotics aren't working. 
You might think that they're expired and they're no good, and it could be just that you're sucking down a lot of vitamins and and uh, you know it's it's being absorbed. Uh, and because of the minerals, you know, um, I'm glad that she put that in there. Uh, it might not be necessarily the the vitamins, but it might be all the other minerals and the things that are added into that. So uh, you know, good again, like I said, good article there, uh, good information. I can't remember if Dr. Bones's nurse and Nurse Amy's. Uh, uh, medical uh, hand, survival medical handbook uh, talks about um, the the uh, the antibiotics and uh, if you should uh, eat them during you know, with food or not. I can't remember that, and uh, it's been a little while since I've looked at the antibiotic section on there. But I think that was good advice. If if you have the the handbook, and actually I'll try to hit it up here uh, this week and, and come back with some, some of that information. If it's not in the handbook, I think you should, uh, and I believe, like I, I said yesterday, I say it all the time, I think you should have that book. Um, but anyway, um, if not, I think if you're storing up fish antibiotics, you need to go ahead and go to drugs.com or go search online and see if uh, you know, the antibiotics that you have should be uh, taken with food or should not be, you know, how long, uh, you know, just to make sure. Because if you if you are in, you know, if you're storing up fish antibiotics, it could be that you're 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 stocking them for a while, and by the time you get into them, it could be a little a little bit down the road. Um, they might have lost a little bit of their potency, and so you want to make sure that um, you know you can get as much of it as you want. So uh, you don't want to have any interactions there at, at all. So again, go take go check that out at beans, bullets, bandages, and you.com. Uh, there's links here, and then you want to go check out that other article uh, that they wrote about how vitamins and antibiotics can uh, work well together and can play well together, and uh, get that information there as well. All right, guys, that's it for episode 200. I appreciate you uh, hanging out with me and, and being a listener. Uh, if you uh, would like to, if you have any feedback on this episode, Come to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com and uh, click on episode 200 and drop me a line in the comment section. I always love to, to get feedback from you and uh, just to see how, uh, how you're in enjoying the, the podcast. Uh, and if you don't necessarily want to come to the, po to the, to the website, uh, to the podcast website, you can always hit me up on uh, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. I always love connecting with you there. And don't forget to come over to the Facebook group. And if you're not part of the email list, definitely uh, there's some benefits uh, of being involved in that uh, email list as well. All right, so with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.